Hello. Welcome to Let's Break It Down, a pop culture and politics podcast. Hi, this is Susanna Morris. And this is Isha Pandit. And we are here uh, at the inaugural episode of Let's Break It Down. This is going to be a twice monthly politics and pop culture podcast uh, where we're going to be giving our snarky commentary on many, many things in the news and the pop culture and so on. That's right. The goings on. The goings on. So you might be familiar with our work um, in a variety of contexts. So I am a professor, an English professor at Auburn University. I'm also the um, I'm one of the co-founding members of the Prunk Feminist Collective and right over there. And Isha's very busy. And I am a longtime uh, activist in the reproductive justice movement and also write for the Crunk Feminist Collective and have known Susanna Morris here since we were wee lasses. Mm-hmm. Been a minute. We Been about 85 years. We won't say exactly mm-hmm. how long. Okay, well, <laughs> I just not, revealed it. But. <laughs> let's not say exactly how long. Mm-hmm. long. So this is our inaugural podcast, and the title of the podcast, we have affectionately called it, is... The biggest news week in a long ass time. Lord Jesus, so many things happened and this week. So we're actually foregoing a bit of the pop culture because the news has been, the politics have been so intense um, of late. Off the chain. So off the chain. So we, you know, I guess the first place we should start is with the mixed bag of <sighs> Supreme Court decisions mm, that mm, happened this week. Mm, um, mm. I mean, I guess I'll just start by saying that it was a really intense week full of feelings related to politics for so many of us because the the rulings were about so many different intersections of my life and the lives of people that I know and love mm-hmm. and so it was just a note to start start there by noting how big and momentous um the week felt Absolutely. I mean, it just, it was like every avenue of your life, your work life, <laughs> who you can marry, um, who can adopt your children, um, okay. you know. Where are you going to go to college? Where are you How are you going to get in? I mean, all those can things. Can you vote? Can you vote? Can Jesus, you vote? can you vote? I don't can know. It's unclear. Right. I don't know what's going to happen. So all of those things were happening this week, but I think if we could take a, a close look at the VRA in particular, mm-hmm. if we could start there. I mean, affirmative action has been slowly eroded eroded and chipped away at for so long. For I so wasn't long. really surprised. I mean, right. were you? At no, the, at I the wasn't. Ruling? And I think um, part of it is, well, let's talk about the VRA and then we can talk about the yeah. court in general and kind of what the court is Whack-a-doodle. doing. Whack-a-doodle. That's, yeah. that's how I describe it. And what, the, <laughs> right. and what the court is doing. So mm-hmm. the voting, I mean, I think that was like, a, it felt like a really deep cut. It felt... Yeah. Like now the Supreme Court has put on the doorstep of the Congress mm-hmm. essentially our ability to engage in the political process at Absolutely. all. And it, it really furthers the lie that we live in some kind of post-racial society where, mm-hmm. you know, well, this was 40 years ago. This was 50 years ago. This was 60 years ago. You know, we don't need to have these checks and balances in place anymore. Now right. it's actually becoming too onerous. Right. And states can't do what they want. In fact, what I, I think what for in my opinion, what links so many of these decisions together is that it really is just emboldening states' rights. So DOMA and Prop A, oh, it's wonderful, folk can get married, and you know, I might have my critiques of the institution of marriage, but I, I get that it's real, that if you have some health insurance benefits, now you can marry your boo, whoever that boo is, if your state allows gay marriage and anyway, which is not a lot of states. 
Um, so there are some benefits, potentially, some practical benefits. But by punting things back to states in every case, mm-hmm. right? How if you live in a place where I used to live, Alabama, where they are determined to do the wrong thing, determined to be retrograde, determined to be asked backwards, determined to be not in the 19th century, mm-hmm. but the 17th century or yeah. something, you know? So then you can't count that on your state being a place where you're going to get these kinds right. of uh, access to, you know, proper voting situations or benefits or what have you, you know, taking away that federal mandate, I think is a really interesting mm-hmm. sort of double-edged sword. Not that the federal government always gets it right either. I mean, it's high yeah. mess in general. But it's this notion of protection and who's being mm-hmm. protected and from whom. And in the mm-hmm. past few years, I've noticed this huge shift in the notion of the federal government and particularly around Tea Party politics and sort of who the government is there to protect and why. And so Mm -hmm. this whole idea that that we're Mm post-racial and now these protected classes Mm -hmm. that the Constitution is, you know, the amendments of the Constitution are inherently placed there to protect vulnerable Mm -hmm. populations, Mm -hmm. that we don't somehow need those anymore. And to my mind, just for like a little historical context, this all, I think, has to do with the way that a lot of folks have lost their minds because we have a black president. Absolutely. Right? These are all elements of the way that our country is dealing with its racial identity. Mm-hmm. And I the think... The shifting that, demographics. That's People right. are like, oh my goodness, because, you know, uh, we have to take our country back and we know what those euphemisms mean, right? right? And so it is... Right. I was saying to each of the other day that I was, you know, in Atlanta driving in South Fulton County and I was behind a man in a truck who had Alabama plates and he had two interesting bumper stickers on his car. One said, don't be ashamed of being white. And then there was a Confederate flag. And then on the other side of his bumper, uh, he had a picture, a cartoon picture of the white house with a Confederate flag on the top. And I was just like, really? Cause you, cause you're mad. That's you're saucy. That's right. And here you are in South right. Fulton with all these Negroes. What you going to do? That's right. What you going to do, son? I mean, it's just, so this notion that people are just so, there's so much anxiety, anxiety because they are no longer going to be the majority. But the real talk, the real gag is that, you know, I have two words for them. South Africa. You don't have to be the physical majority if you That's own right. all the means of production. That's right. If you shore up all the institutional problems, which is what people are doing. They're mm-hmm. shoring it up, uh, you know, in the all the various branches of government. And, you know, I mean, Obama's interesting, but he's a better George Bush than George Bush ever was. So right. even in the executive branch, yeah. whiteness is being shored up in all types of ways. White supremacy is being shored up. So, I mean... Well, it's, you know, and it's interesting. We should... Let's talk for a minute about um, about DOMA. And then, mm-hmm. and then we should also talk because the immigration bill is Girl, of a piece with this yes. entire conversation about our national identity mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and what it is. Yeah. And I think, I mean, in terms of... So there was a few rulings, right? There was affirmative action ruling. There was a Voting Rights Act. There was um, the Indian Child Welfare Act, which is also about racial identity absolutely, and politics. Absolutely, um, In which the court decided that it was okay or that they uh, reaffirmed um, or took away a, sovereignty. A, a sovereignty or a Cherokee father's mm-hmm, right to mm-hmm. his daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, the language that was being used in that case was that the white couple that was trying to adopt her kept saying that they wanted to save Veronica. And so that's really acutely raced and intense about sovereignty and and the rights of tribal peoples. And Mm -hmm. the rulings had all of this language in them about blood quantum 
and about how identities of people are determined. And in, in the cases of, of um, tribal populations, it's not those tribal populations that determine blood quantum for the most part, it's the government that determines it. And so it's, it's pretty, it's like actually a really intense spotlight mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. race that was happening in that case. And it wasn't getting as much press. Right. As because voting, of all the other things that were happening. the Voting Rights Act. And I think, I think it's important to lift that up. Too. Absolutely. I think it was just in many ways, just sort of slipped in there. And then people have all types of notions around, you know, mixed race adoption, interracial adoption mm -hmm. and so on. And so, you know, the, the arguments on the one hand where folks are saying, well, children need homes and there are people who have the means and, ha and want to have a loving family. Mm -hmm. But the fact is that it's just not that simple. It's not that simple. And there's no. been such a history in Native communities of white folk going in and scooping up children. I mean, that's, that's just that's just the real deal. It's not as simple as two loving parents right. adopting a child that. who's in, de in need. Like, right. it's just not that simple. And so I think that this case is really further open the door, a door that was already been open through mm -hmm. imperialism and, and colonization. Um, and it's just kicked that door down mm -hmm. and for folks to act a monkey, basically. That, that's right. Well, and also like this, we have this, it's showing up the twisted notion that we have about what the government, what it is the government's job to do and what it's not the government's job to do. The same people that are over there talking about how they do not want the federal government to have all these rights are totally okay with the federal government deciding people's race and deciding who can have children mm -hmm. when it's about native communities. Absolutely. But they, but when they try to talk about getting into college or getting access to voting, you're on your right? own, boo. You're yeah. on your own, and mm -hmm. you have the burden of proof is now on the marginalized community. Mm -hmm. And so to get access to rights, but mm -hmm. to have rights restricted, the government is all in there, and mm -hmm. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the point that you made about DOMA is really the important, the DOMA and Prop 8 is really the important point to make, that it is actually, although it is important uh, symbolism and legislatively important that people have access to all the same rights, we know that equality um, under rights is not justice. It does mm -hmm. not mean access. Mm -hmm. It does not mean that all mm -hmm. the populations will have all the things that mm -hmm. they need. Mm -hmm. For people whose challenge, for for people in the queer community whose challenge, whose significant challenge is getting access to mutual benefits, Absolutely. then DOMA and Prop 8 serve your function. But if mm -hmm. you're trying to get health care, if you're trying to get economic mm -hmm. security, mm -hmm. if you're trying to get immigration reform, DOMA and Prop 8 will do nothing for you for those queer communities. And I think, um, I think it's important to notice that it, you know, to sort of name that it's significant and important. I think it is a mm -hmm. shift for our country. Mm -hmm. and, and so it's valuable in that regard. Um, but if we're talking about justice it's not, for yeah, queer it's folks, not this that. is not this this ruling mm -hmm, is not about mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. um, Although you know, both you and I do love a good wedding, and so we look forward to <laughs> I going to wait. queer wedding, more queer weddings. I, I mean, people wait. are already getting married. I mean, that's, that's right. the, the thing about it is people don't need the law to tell them what to do. That's right. So if you want to go down and have a party with your boo thing, and you know, Please whatever, do it. Do it. People we will have come. been doing it. We'll come. We'll put we, our cutest shoes on. We, we will, will be it. there. We will be there. We will be there. Just invite us. Make sure you play the wobble. Let's talk about breaking it down in a whole other way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. Break it down on the podcast and Boom. on the dance floor. Susanna dance is dancing floor. now, just FYI. If only we had a video going. <laughs> I mean, really. It would be a different kind of show. <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah. So, the, I think, you know, you're right. Like, that celebration and that is really important. And I can't wait to go to weddings mm -hmm. of people who have been dying to have weddings. And mm -hmm. that is exactly right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so let's talk about, let's talk for a minute about this immigration bill and then start talking a little bit about some of the resistance that we're seeing mm -hmm. um, in Texas and yeah. North Carolina. Yeah. So yeah. 
Um, so just like the, I mean, this bill that has passed the Senate oh. is egregious and monstrous. Heinous. And, you know, that all that being said, I think it is so important that we have immigration reform. It is so important. There are people whose lives are literally and existence mm-hmm. are literally in limbo mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. now because this country refuses to see them Absolutely. and recognize them. And Absolutely. they're here, they're working, they're a Contributing lot of Contributing to society they're, as and there are a lot of members. That's Isn't exactly that what it's right. all about, supposedly? And you know, like, I mean, I, I live and know in immigrant communities and how devastating invisibility is in absolutely, those communities, absolutely. in my communities. And it's, it's horrific. And so this bill is, has some important um, moves towards creating pathways to citizenship, but it also has mm. Mm. Um, so many significant restrictions that are just really important to name because absolutely. to my mind, they're human rights violations. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the health care stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so specifically folks, and the Senate version of the of the uh, the bill that just passed the Senate um, immigration reform law, if you proceed on the path to citizenship that this bill lays forth for you um, as an undocumented person in the states, you have to wait for 15 years into that process before you are eligible for public health benefits uh, such as Medicaid. So 15 years, of one no, five, one five of no public benefits. Um, is egregious and outrageous and just think about what we're doing to broad communities of people who can't get access to health care and public mm-hmm. services who are on the path to citizenship. It is punitive, it is destructive, and it is really quite despicable that that's how we're thinking about it's it. It's criminalizing people. It's like, you committed a crime. And so now you don't get health care. Right, will not this do is anything. your punishment. You still got to pay taxes, though. You sure do. And you still have to do all of the, run, jump through all of the hoops, so it's not like, you're not contributing to society monetarily even. Well, that's so. the myth about immigration in general, that people are just coming here and they're getting welfare and like uh, right. uh, driving a Cadillac. Now, um, my pe- both our peoples right. are, you know, immigrants. And so it's just like, I, I didn't get no Cadillac. Where's my cat? I don't see it. No. I mean, I, I never saw it in any of the, you know, Caribbean <laughs> right. communities I grew up in. Did no. nobody have a Cadillac unless they were, you know, fortunate enough to buy right. one. Instead, what happens is that people don't go to the emergency room. They That's don't right. get health care. That's right. They live under the radar and they work. Mm-hmm. And in fact, this is borne out by scientific truth that immigrants who come to this country have a higher health outcomes, and within five years of being here, their health outcomes deteriorate so much that they have a lower health outcomes mm-hmm. than U.S. citizens. And so that's not an accident. That's happening because yeah. people aren't getting access to the services Absolutely. that they need. And they're, these are our neighbors, and these are our family members. These are people who work in our communities. Like, I think about, you know, the situations in, with so many people that I knew growing up. My own mother, you know, who came to the, this country in the 70s, and worked as a domestic and, you know, worked for wealthy families who would just give her cash. They would just say, you know, here you go. Here's your $10 for cleaning my house or $20 or what have you. And did this for years and therefore did not pay into the system. Mm. Did not know anything about no safety net because I don't know. The safety net in Jamaica is is different uh, if there is one that we could sort of identify in similar ways. And so here she's been in this country 40-something years and, uh, you know, has very little to show for it in quotations. Meanwhile, she's always worked here always for, people, for people who could afford to mm-hmm. put her on a payroll to do these things, mm-hmm. right? But you're just so busy trying to feed right. your family and support the people back home and send remittances and all those kinds of things that it's this myth that folk come to the United States and are just 
you know, high on the horse yeah. with a fatted calf or something, and it's just not the case. It's and so, so it really just feeds into, I think, that mentality. There are a lot of people in underground economies, right? That's right. You know? And it's racialized, right? Absolutely. It is absolutely racialized. So if we're talking about the Voting Rights Act, this is of a piece with that crisis that we're having in this country around our racial identity as a nation. And so this punitive immigration bill, mm-hmm. which has, in addition to this health um, health care limitations and restrictions, also, a ton of money for border militarization. $50 billion, people. $50 you know how many people could go to school? How much? I mean, there are so many things we could do with $550 billion. With a B. With a B. Okay. Dollars. All right. So, yeah. uh, and then, and as, as I was saying to Isha earlier, uh, I've heard newscasts where people are describing like, well, you know, the jobs that will be generated mm. from this militarization, right? So you'll need more enforcement a- agents and you'll need people to man mm. this and man that and so on and so forth. And so this is how we're going to build up our economy. I thought we were supposed to have a green economy. We're supposed to be making solar panels and stuff. Okay. No, no, we are just trying to shoot people at the border. In apparently. the law enforcement. Okay. And also that includes a lot of money for, so, so building a increased border patrol in person power in, uh, building up the fence, mm-hmm. strengthening and building up and in, making the fence longer, and of course, increased surveillance resources, billions of dollars for surveillance and the use of drones on the border. Drones, drones. people, don't sleep on it, okay? Yeah. These so, drones are for real. So, I mean, I think that just shows the sort of militarization of our own country, and if the, for those folks that are concerned about freedom, mm-hmm. right, people that are running around talking about how we don't have free, enough freedom in this country, let's talk about how they are the same ones, talking about how we need billions of dollars for increased militarization. Mm-hmm. So that's because the militarization is largely directed against brown bodies, so it's cool. It's all good, it's right? All good. We're cool with that, you know. So, shall we move to talking about some acts of resistance that are yes, going on? Yes, let's talk about there is, Texas. Let's talk about Texas. Um, so, Senator Wendy Davis put on those pink shoes. She sure did. And she stood on the on the floor and of, sure this, of this Texas State Senate she in sure Austin. Did. And hundreds, if not thousands, of people were there over the, over the week, over the course of many days, mm-hmm. who stood there who stood with her, and she filibustered for 11 hours before they tried to trip her up. She filibustered her face off. I mean, she really just did it. It was beautiful, and it was this really vibrant example of democracy. Like, there were, I guess at the highest amount, 180, over 180,000 people watching watching the live stream that the Texas Tribune had on, on YouTube. Uh, and I was going between my Twitter and my Facebook and on the phone with you and doing a whole we lot of phone with my mom. All were... my feelings. That's right. You know, and so, and, and, and really being able to see people participate in their government and not sort of just lay down and say, mm-hmm. oh, well, you know, these Republicans are so powerful, well, we can't do right. anything that's right. with them. But actually, no, we can actually fight back. Now, it's not over because it's Rick over. Perry's trifling behind. It's calling a, se- right. a special session already for Monday, Monday, right? starting Monday. So this bill says two things about this. Yeah. One, this coupled with the the largest protests of 2013 that mm-hmm. have been happening in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Let That's us right. just talk about how these places that mm-hmm. oftentimes progressive news and progressive media forgets to cover. Right. Texas, North Carolina, places mm-hmm. in the South, I mean, that are not covered are the sites of resistance. Mm-hmm. Thousands of people have been gathering in North Carolina for a while and now. through the churches mm-hmm. and That's through right. the churches. Thousands of people there learning about what the legislature is doing, mm-hmm. having discussions. They're calling them Moral Mondays. They sure and are. And they are there and they are, they are active. And the same thing we saw 
in Texas. And, mm-hmm. in te- and, and in both of these instances, in Texas exclusively, the conversation is about reproductive rights. Absolutely. So when we have a discussion about how we have a country where people feel one way or the other about reproductive it's rights. It's not true. Or that people in no. the South are particularly mm-hmm. anti-choice or whatever. Mm-hmm. Thousands of people were over there and this fight is not over. And I know that Texas politics is dirty politics. And mm-hmm. so, of course, Rick Perry is calling a second special session, even though this first one was supposed to be the last one. He's doing it exclusively to pass this bill, which will effectively make abortion inaccessible in in the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. Texas, it has 26 million people in it. Right. It is one of the largest, most populous states. And it is also one where the populations are spread out. So you start closing clinics, and all of a sudden it is inaccessible. Mm-hmm. And I think when we talk about rights, this is exactly the same kind of thing. We talk about the voting rights. We talk about access to services. If you cannot actually get the thing, it does not matter that if it is legal. If it's legal, yeah. So it's okay that we got Roe v. Wade, but how, if you cannot take off three days off of your job to drive across right. the state or go to another state, or you don't, exactly. you're five dollars short for however much it is, like you, you know, you know that your that right is is no longer available to you. That's you don't right. actually have it. That's and right. so it is um, a really important moment to sort of see the South rising and speaking and speaking out against their own legislatures. Progressive mm-hmm. people in the South are resisting their own legislatures Absolutely. and trying to use the system as best as they can to mm-hmm. filibuster. I mean, acts of heroism. Absolutely. Senator Letitia Vandepute drove Ooh. from her father's funeral. From the fune. From Letitia her father's came from funeral. From the funeral. To sort of, and it was her comment on the floor of the Senate oh that started the people's filibuster. It was like a, a welling. Absolutely. And people, I could feel all the 180,000 people on YouTube watching it just cheering. Yes. It was a I was shouting in my apartment for it sure. It was beautiful. I mean, it was beautiful. And that yeah. these, these stories, I mean, I give a lot of props to Senator Wendy Davis. Mm-hmm. And I also think that we need the story of Senator Letitia Vandepute. Absolutely. Lift it up. Lift it up. She need her face needs to be everywhere, um, because she really sort of came in at a pivotal moment uh, in that whole situation and really galvanized. And folks. galvanized and got, as we like to say, crunk. She got crunk. She got up to the vice president sure of the did. Senate and said, "What do I have to do to be heard here? Right. To what be seen? To, to be, be seen, seen and, and to be heard. heard. What does Ugh. a woman have to do? Mm. Beautiful. Beautiful. She did it. So, I'm here for it. That's right. <laughs> It just, it was just beautiful. It was a beautiful moment where, in, in a week where, you know, a lot was going on. So, just a couple more things that we want to quickly yeah. talk about. Another hero, Shiro, that we Shiro. want to lift up is our girl, Rachel Chantel. Yes. Yes. From the Trayvon Martin slash George Zimmerman foolishness that's been going on uh, in Sanford, Can Florida. Can talk about how the... Lawyer started the case with a knock-knock joke. I mean, I just couldn't... When I heard that, I was like, this is going to be a shit show. Pardon my French. I mean, that's pretty much what it was. And so, I mean, I just don't even understand. But she's really held herself with a a particular kind of fierceness. Um, If y'all don't know the story, you know, people have been um, really lambasting her in in social media and mainstream media. Uh, because of, you know, a lot of different things, her appearance, the way she speaks, and she has been called as a witness for the prosecution. And in her cross-examination, there's just been a lot of, um, it's not even subtle ridicule. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. outright ridicule. Pretending like people can't understand, yeah. like the lawyers are pretending they can't understand what she's saying. Right, or right. Or 
actually actively speaking down to her. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, making it seem as though she doesn't know what she's talking about, trying right. to catch her right. in inconsistencies. And she's not here for it, and I'm not here for it. None of us are here for it, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm re- really trying to lift her up. She lost her friend. I she know. She was the last person he really spoke to, and that's a traumatizing thing, you know? So to just really try to throw her under the bus and back up over her, it's, it's just she's a child. You know, yeah. she's a young person. And she is someone who has experienced a lot of trauma, not just in the loss of her friend, but I'm sure in the way that this story is talked about. Absolutely. And now the way that she's being talked about. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I think it's particularly important. It's not, well, it's sexist and it's racist. That's right. The way that she's being treated. So That's let's right. just call that out for what it is. And it's as though the prosecution thinks that a young black woman is an easy target Absolutely. for, um, you know, bolstering their case Mm -hmm, finding mm -hmm. inconsistencies in her which Mm -hmm. to my mind they haven't found any but they are of course trying and that is um particularly despicable Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, not that we expected much more but i think you know the the ways that people have come to her defense that Mm -hmm. hashtag love for rachel i think has been really beautiful that we at the cfc wrote a series of love letters there have been lots of letters to her all across the internet combating that and I think Mm -hmm. it it goes with uh what we saw on Twitter and other social media with the Wendy Davis situation uh the power of social media the power of regular folk every day and that's what we want to close with that's right it's really our let's break it down moment yes the sustenance and solidarity that I have felt in the face of these intense political Mm -hmm. rulings and decisions and and laws and uh, things happening in the world have has really happened through my community of social progressive social media activists, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the perfect example is Ooh, hashtag Paula's best dishes. Ooh, Paula's oh best my dishes. goodness! Oh, so much life, so much life. <laughs> so much I, life was given that day. Oh my goodness! <laughs> the the, uh, the let's break it down award goes to <laughs> Black Twitter for the past week what? or so. I have not had so oh, many. Oh my goodness! Hardy guffaws. Hardy guffaws. Oh my goodness! I mean, between the Nat turnip greens and you know lettuce from a Birmingham jail, oh my which goodness. is my personal favorite. Oh my goodness! You know, I just love it so much. And I think what yokes uh, the Wendy Davis situation, the uh, Rachel Jantel situation, and the Paula's Best Dishes situation, the Paula Dean kerfuffle, is the power of, of social media in mm-hmm. particular sorts of ways to call people into question, mm-hmm. to hold people accountable. The fact that 180,000 people were paying attention mm-hmm. to a state That's senate right. situation in Texas. That's right. Change the, out- change the outcome. Literally change the outcome. Of, of that of that mm-hmm. session because mm-hmm. it was Twitter that captured the changed timestamp that the Republican legislature was trying Absolutely. to pull and we were like we got these pictures and they're all over social media and also it's an uh, it's a moment in which people can give an alternate historical account of what's Absolutely. happening in their own in words. real time yes. in real yes. time so we don't have to wait till the history books are written Mm-mm. to say we didn't experience this that way right. we're, we're here yeah we're here we're commenting on it we're talking about it it's affecting us mm-hmm. which I think is exactly what was happening with the Paula's best dishes. Absolutely. Oh my goodness, because all her endorsements and this, that, and the other, and I think that it called a, it called into attention the ridiculousness of her language. Now people, of course, are backtracking and trying to, you know, uh, recuperate her. But what I really want to foreground, and it's something that I wrote about at the Crunk Feminist Collective uh, earlier in the week, is the fact that. Uh, 
one thing that's being sort of left out of the conversation with Paula Dean, and I think that the sort of the Twitter-inspired ridicule really brought into focus is that we're talking about larger systemic issues. Like, okay, it might be funny, there might be some LOLs, but what's really happening with Paula Dean is that she's being accused of fostering a hostile work, work environment, environment that was actively racist and sexist. Mm-hmm. And so we might be laughing about, yeah, because she's serving that turnip greens. But the reality is the accusations are that she kept darker skinned people in the back in the kitchen and that she had lighter skin and white folk in the front dealing with customers. That her brother, who was her business partner, had sexist hiring practices and that had pornography showing in the office. I mean, now... They will have to go on trial and they will have to prove their various cases. But that's what we need to talk about. That's right. And those accusations are egregious. That's if right. If they are true. That's right. And if y'all can see my face, you know what I think. Right. You know, that's what we need to focus on. Whether or not this woman said the N-word 30 years ago, right. um, she admitted that she did. Right. She that's also said in the deposition that she said it recently. So all these lies and white women's tears all over the TV and the internet that right. she's trying to do. She can keep that. She can put it in the bank. You know. But the focus that we should think about mm-hmm. is the fact that she's allegedly committing these particular kinds of violations, violations and, right. and immoral acts That's as right. well, right? And how many of us have experienced overt and covert racism, sexism, ableism, workplace. trans antagonism, any number of things in our workplaces? In our workplaces. And we don't always have the ability to stand up. Because we have a rent payment, we have a car note, That's we right. have kids that need to go vulnerable to daycare, we're vulnerable population. And need special protection. And we need special help. Full circle. Come on now. Where's SCOTUS on, when Nisha. you need them? All right, Where's all right, SCOTUS when you right. need them? That's right. So, you know, that's the thing that we need to keep in mind. So I'm glad that Twitter got her good. She's going to be fine. She has $85 quadrillion. She's, she's going to be okay. We're she's going to be okay. We're not worried about her. But we need to sort of illuminate the ways in which this situation at her restaurant mirrors the situation that so many of us experience. And we don't always get to put our boss on blast on Twitter, right? How many people work at an office who want to do a version? There are people <laughs> listening now who are raising their hands. You're testifying. I see you. I see you all over the country. So, I mean, I think that we need to keep that in perspective as That's well. Right. So there you have it. This there is our inaugural uh, episode of Let's Break It Down. It has been broken down. It so it can be forever broke. And so <laughs> we will talk to you guys soon. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye.